Finance Today time as Barry Preston joins us again for another week. Barry, we're about to take a look at the commodities. Ahead of that, what's <laughs> happening on Saturday with the election? Um, how's our government and how do, well, how do we look uh, Australia-wide if we're facing a new government or whether we stay with the existing government? I think a lot of people from overseas looking at us probably think, what the hell's going on in that country? Because we love jokes. Look... How frustrated we are. Let's just talk about the general public that go into offices, that go into um, lots of places uh, to do business. And one of the first things they hear is all this compliance. If we don't, as a country, increase our productivity, because I think we've just slipped down the line one more Mm. in getting towards the tail end, we were fairly high at one stage. If we don't increase our productivity and get rid of some of this red green, pink, blue, whatever tape you call it, which does nothing, absolutely nothing, but frustrates the people who have to work it and also frustrates their clients, we're going to stay here. And there's no – I haven't seen any long-term planning. We've seen – and we've talked about it on here before where uh, I think the fast train in in a number of countries, Spain, um, uh, Japan, etc., etc., took something like a few years to do. I think our fast train from Melbourne to to Brisbane is going to take something like 44 years. Now, uh, 40 years or something. Well, that's good because there's a lot of scenery out there to look at. I better not buy a ticket. But we've got to get productivity up. I mean, if we want to be wealthy, we just can't take from the wealthy and give to the poor. That doesn't work. We can't like it's happening in America at the moment, borrowing money or printing more money to get out of debt. That's that's about as crazy as, oh, I don't know. Shut up, Barry. Anyway. <laughs> Let's look at commodities. We know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Please, Polly's listen. Get rid of some of this red tape. Goodness gracious me. I'm fired up. I'm Mr. Park. That's all right. Anyway, don't worry about it. Let's have a look at uh, gold. Gold uh, is, well, gold's down $70 an ounce, um, Australian for the week, to 1516 Silver's down $1.63 an ounce to $25.61. Copper, 7771 a ton. That's uh, down slightly about $400. Uh, nickel, 14841 That's down approximately $900 for the week, Australian. Tin, not too bad. Tin's down $199 to 24002 Our currency, we've strengthened against uh, the various country uh, currencies that we look at. Or, on the other hand, they've weakened against ours. So it all depends on what side of the fence you are. But the US dollar is $91.65. That's up $1.18 for the week. Um, British pence, uh, 58.6 to the Australian dollar. That's one British pence. Pence, one British penny. How would we call that? They're not supposed to call it a penny over there anymore. So I've heard. And the Chinese, very little change on the euro and renminbi. The New Zealand currency, we're strengthened uh, 1.5 cents to 116.1 of the Australian dollar. The euro, 69.4. That's up 1.31 euros to the Australian dollar. The biggest move at 2.4% was the Canadian dollar. We're 2.13 cents ahead there to 96.2. And if you're heading to Tonga, you are getting a 1.72 Tongan payenga. Oh. How's that sound? Does that sound right? If there's any Tongans out there and I've said that wrong, I do apologise. But it's not a dollar. It's a, a, a Tongan payenga. P-A-A-N-G-A, whatever that's yeah. – yeah, that sounds good anyway. That's, that sounds right. The markets, well, the markets have strengthened since uh, last week. Australian uh, market is 5,156, 78 points or 1.5% ahead for the week. The Dow, 14,930, 106 points ahead or just not quite 1%. 
The Nasdaq 3,649 is up 56, which is just a little bit over 1%. The UK FTSE 6,474 ahead 44 points. The Japanese market, 14,035. That's 5.38% above what it was last week, 718 points ahead. And the Hong Kong market, 802 points ahead to 22,326. Now, that's fairly strange in respect to what's going on in the world, whether there is a strike against Syria. Normally, when that happens, the markets fall out of bed and the commodities fall out of bed. But, however, everything's strange in the world of what it used to be. Oil, U.S. oil. Mm, the U.S. oil, normally when there's a fear of uh, war and that sort of thing, oil strengthens. Well, in this case, the U.S. oil is down $6.80 per barrel Australian to $116.09. And the, or 90, I should say, the Australian oil, we're down $4.77 a barrel to 132.83 Australian. Now, what markets... What will that do at the, the bows? Probably nothing at the moment because it has gone up in the last uh, four or five weeks. So I would suggest that there may be a little bit of strengthening at the Bowser purely before it starts to fall based on those figures there. However, as we say, nothing is strange mm. or stable at the Bowser. Okay, oil or a – what do we do? Um, unleaded petrol in Newcastle is down point. Two of one cent to 150.7. Uh, the Central Coast is down half a cent to 146.3. Still a lot cheaper on the Central Coast than what it is in the Newcastle. It must be it's a transport from, what, 60 or 70 kilometres down there or something. Yeah, like that. It. It'd have to be, Dave. I'm sure it is. Diesel, 158.1. That's gone up 0.6 of a cent. Can't understand that when petrol's gone down. Central Coast, up half a cent to 158.7. Still can't understand that when petrol's come down. Anyway. I thought they came out of a similar sort of uh, commodity. Sydney, down 12.8 cents to what it was last week per litre at 144.8. And their diesel is up a half a cent to 156.3. So we still don't know what's all about at uh, the Bowser. Just go along and find out what the price is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got a special guest coming up after our break soon, haven't we? We have Henry to listen to what's happening with the markets and also we're going to then finish what we did a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about wills with uh, Lynn Lucas, finding out the importance of wills. But this program will be on powers of attorney. Why, what for, who and what is the good of them? It's Finance Today with Barry Preston back in just a moment at 2 in URFM. As we continue finance today, we've got a special guest joining us on the line right now. We have, and it's Henry Jennings. But first of all, comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice. And a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard & Partners, Proprietary Limited or BBY BBY Stockbrokers Limited may hold or trade in shares in companies that we mentioned on this program. Pritchard's Financial Services Licence 246712 BBY 238095. Henry, the resource stocks seem to be hanging in there. And they've had their costs cut. They're now lean and mean and production producing machines. Well, I'm not too sure about the production, but and the common prices or the commodity prices of coal and iron ore were once upon a time plummeting and plummeting and plummeting, but they've been holding up. Well, yes. I mean, the the, the big resource stocks have um, cut uh, costs quite quickly. Um, we've seen them cancel a lot of projects, uh, BHP um, with their Olympic Dam and various other things like Woodside also with, with their uh, onshore processing of the, the Browse Basin. So, um, 
we are seeing some good cost-cutting. We are seeing some discipline being uh, reactivated for the resource stocks. And some of the resource uh, commodities like iron ore have held up pretty well. Coal, not so good, but uh, but iron ore is still $138 US a tonne. And with the Aussie dollar sort of around 91, it's around 150, 152 or something like that in Aussie dollars. So not too bad at all. Interesting. Now, the Reserve Bank, of course, sat on their hands, was expected. Mm. Can't see it myself. I can't see any any changes here for quite some time. And when we talk about it, uh, in my opinion, there probably shouldn't be. Do we want a full-scale property boom fueled by foreign money that seems to be coming in at the moment? Probably not, Barry. I mean, I think our uh, our property prices are already too high, and it's you know it's making it very hard for the generation uh, um, generation Y to get interested in property. Um, so I, I think it's not a particularly healthy thing. And as you say, a lot of the money coming into property is overseas and investor money because money's cheap. So um, and the yields are still quite good. Rents are still high, and you can get you know your mortgage from the bank at four point six, four point seven percent and you're probably getting a, a yield in excess of that negatively geared. When you say money is cheap, I went to the bank the other day to get some and they said I had to pay for it. I didn't think it was cheap at all. Well, you look at how much money the Australian banks make out of the cheap money, <laughs> you know, 28 million bucks. Mm. Um, every time you go to the ATM, it costs you $2 to get some money out. I advoc- um, so it's not actually that cheap, Ma- but uh, historically <laughs> yeah. I guess it's cheap. I reckon we should get the chief to run the country, ever yeah, the banks it is. Reporting season, mostly finished, some good news, some bad news and some ugly news. Now where do we go? Well, that's a very good question. I think the problem, uh, the reporting season was okay. It was probably better than the market was going for. There were lots of uh, lots of companies that had the new watchword, which is impairments, which is basically when they write off some sort of ego-stoked um, merger and acquisition policy they had from the past, and they basically paid too much money for something, or it's no longer worth anything. We saw Billabong actually uh, write down it's the value of its um, its chief brand, Billabong to zero in the latest round of uh, numbers. So um, the, uh, the the reporting season hasn't been too bad, I think, generally, I mean, especially with the banks and uh, some of the big guys have done it okay. But um, it was a little mixed. The problem is now that once the market goes ex-dividend, the kind of the impetus uh, does tend to uh, leave the market a little bit for the next few months. Mm, floating into nowhere sort of a situation. Mm, once upon a so. time and still a most powerful product name, Qantas. No dividends for some time. Here is a stock, I believe, that's re- or a company that's been hit by competition, uh, worldwide competition, of course. Where to with this stock now? I don't know why anybody really would be uh, interested in owning airline stocks, whether it's Qantas or Virgin. It's it's a game for the big boys. I mean, most of their competition around the world is uh, is sort of nationalistically based, um, either from the Middle East or Singapore or somewhere like that. Um, every country used to have their own airline, and it was a, a mark of pride that you had the best airline, as we saw with things like British Airways and Singapore and Cathay, etc. So, um, and Qantas was our national airline. Of course, when it got privatised, it then had to take on the big boys as a private company. It's a really tough game, you know. Oh. Petrol prices are going up, oil prices are going up, so the fuel prices are going up. So um, you know, and, and consumer confidence is going down. Um, you've got terrorism. You've got you know any number of um, headwinds against these airlines. Apart from the fact that you've got massive competition, and we've just seen overnight that Ryanair, one of the discount airlines in Ireland, 
um, which services the Europe and the UK, um, has come out with a profit warning because of uh, intense competition. Mm-hmm. It's a tough game. I don't know why you'd be there. You mentioned that um, a lot of airlines overseas have a sovereign. Uh, it's basically owned by the country. Is there any such a thing as Zimbabwe Fly Once Airline or not? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Fly Mugabe, I think it's called. <laughs> Here's something, and I couldn't get the pronunciation of this, X-E-R-O. I'm not sure yeah. how that's pronounced. Kind of X-E-R-O. X-E-R-O. Now, this is a cloud-based accounting software company that I believe is situated in New Zealand, but it is, it's, it's uh, filtered into, New, into Australia, and it seems to be increasing its clientele uh, very quickly. Now, cloud-based uh, accounting, this is where you or ca- cloud-based computing, this is where you send it out there somewhere and you don't know where it is. And this is a silly hmm. question, of course. What happens if it's not a cloudy day? Where do you find it? Well, I mean, this is this is. I mean, the, the whole beauty of cloud-based anything, accounting or whether it's uh, sales uh, software management with things like Salesforce, um, is that uh, you can access it from anywhere on the planet, and you don't actually need to, um, you know, be in front of your uh, own desk to look at your uh, how your company is running. I guess the the big the biggest risk is that something happens in that cloud and it rains <laughs> and you lose your data or something horrible happens so you know one of the big uh, one of the big pushes from all these sorts of accounting uh, or cloud based packages is that your data is safe but we have seen um, you know we have seen that sometimes it's not as safe um, and I think there was a hacker in New Zealand uh, whose name escapes me who was some of his website was on some servers and when they closed down his uh, his websites and his business um, those servers got confiscated and a lot of the information that was on those servers which was from normal companies disappeared as well so you do Mm. have to be a little bit careful i'd say so look we've had the tech boom we've had the biotech boom we've had the mining boom one can't overlook these little penny dreadfuls now a penny dreadful of course uh, a lot of people call them as gambling stocks and we've seen some spectacular gains recently maybe the trade is uh, focusing more on this now what do you think of these little penny dreadfuls be careful uh, well, they are speculative. They do have a good place in uh, in a portfolio. But, you know, if you're looking for a balanced portfolio, as you would advise your clients, I mean, you would focus primarily on blue chips and, and dividend-paying stocks. But there is a place for some of these penny dreadfuls, and you can get some spectacular runs. You do have to actively trade them. They're not sort of sit-and-forget sort of stocks. Um, and you do have to keep an eye on where they're going, what they're doing, and try to keep them honest. So um, they're not for everyone, but some of them, you know, can do quite well. Um, I was recommending clients buy a phosphate uh, mining business in Brazil called AGR, Aguia Resources, you know, and I was uh, expecting that you could pick them up at five cents, they're now nine cents, so you have nearly doubled your money. So you can do very well. Of course, for every one that you buy at five, um, some of them do go to one or two cents. um, (laughs) I'm not a complete genius uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it's uh, they do have uh, their place. You shouldn't put too much money in them. They are highly speculative, but they can add a little bit of adrenaline to uh, to a, a bank-based income-producing uh, dividend-producing uh, portfolio. Henry, uh, these seem small percentage increases, but uh, and it's to do with Zombieland, like Italy's <laughs> uh, the PMI, and you'll explain that in a moment, of course. Yep. It, it's gone from fifty one point three. Oh, it's up to fifty one point three from fifty point four. That's a one point one percent. Spain fifty one point nine. That's up from forty nine point eight. And Greece, yes, great, forty eight point seven from forty seven. Now, what are this PMI, and what would these small increases mean? Well, the 
small increases uh, are good news, I guess. I mean, it's, it's a sign that Europe is stabilizing. Now, the PMI is a purchasing manufacturer's index, so it's kind of a, it's not a sign of GDP, which is the gross domestic product, but it is kind of a, a measure of what's happening in the economy, activity in the economy, um, and the fact that it is turned somewhat positive um, is good for the European economy. We are seeing some signs of life. A reading above 50 usually indicates some sort of expansion, but um, you know some of these readings have been pretty uh, pretty bad for some time. So it, it's, it's a good sign of the future kind of stabilisation of Europe and maybe even uh, pushing ahead and recovery. And as Australia sets the trend with the general election, on the 22nd of September, I believe Germany have a general election. What do you think would the outcome be here? Well, I think uh, I think Angela Merkel is pretty much a shoo-in uh, for the uh, the German election. She doesn't have a huge amount of competition, but um, you know she has had a few wobbles with some some debates, and she has to be a little bit careful um, that nothing really goes wrong in Europe, and she has to use German taxpayer money to bail out a country between now and the election, which I guess is the uh, is, is the big thing. So she doesn't really need any blow-ups in Greece or Italy or whatever to sort of uh, hamper her election hopes, but I would imagine that she'll get in relatively comfortably. One, uh, well, I in particular am a total loss to this. China, one week its economy is tanking, the next week the economy is steady and followed by the following week it's picking up and the following week it's stabilised. Now, who are they that make these comments? I mean, quite stable but with some hiccups which will cause some slight downturn but on the short to medium term there is a slight pickup with a trend towards strengthening. What the hell do they mean? Yeah, these guys should write uh, their uh, the politicians' uh, speeches, I think. I thought they did. Certainly, they should certainly write for the... Um, well, they do. Uh, they should certainly write for uh, for Tony Abbott and Joe Hockey, I think. Um, and uh, and some of them would do well with Kevin Rudd. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I think the, the, the key take-out, though, is that China does seem to be uh, stabilising. It's not booming, but uh, the government there has, you know, sort of stabilised the situation um, from the earlier this year when we had a little bit of uh, a little bit of panic, a little bit of weakness, a little bit of worries about a hard landing, um, and their economy is still growing at sort of seven and a half percent, which is pretty good compared wow. to the rest mm. of the world. And it is the second biggest economy in the world now, don't forget. And then India, we thought India would, uh, if China didn't India do any good, India would forever, save the yeah. world, but once thought to be the next economic powerhouse following China. Mm. But it's having more challenges than... Uh, than um, I can't think of an example the, at the moment. The, like, the Labour Party? Well, any, whatever the or, case or, is. Or for Jamie Diaz, um, yeah. explaining <laughs> the uh, six points of the uh, turning the boat back. <laughs> <laughs> April and June... As a quarter of the um, in April and June, it, the economy drew by a quarter of a percent, and following mm. previous quarters, sorry, the previous quarter it grew by four point four percent, which is still good. Following the previous down, it was four point eight. Now, are they facing currency crisis, or what's happening over there? Um, what we're seeing actually around some of uh, some of well, India and some of the rest of Asia as well is that um, as we get closer to a, a world where the U.S. Uh, Fed Federal Reserve is starting to go back to a more normalised kind of state of affairs without pumping eighty-five billion dollars uh, a month into the uh, the bond market and keeping interest rates low. Um, interest rates in the U.S. are starting to rise. Tapering is going to happen, and as that does happen, all the fast money that the hedge funds have been putting around the world in places like India and Malaysia and Indonesia and Japan and, and China is 
starting to come back to uh, the US. They like to keep it close to home, and if you can get sort of two point whatever, 2.8% uh, for 10-year Treasury bonds, then maybe you don't need the risk of, uh, of India or China or Malaysia. So um, we have seen some currency crisis happening in some of these emerging markets. It has had an effect on the economy. Money leaving the country is never a good thing. Um, last one out, turn the lights out, and India has been under some pressure on uh, higher inflation, uh, higher interest rates, and uh, trying to defend the currency. So it, not, not particularly good news. No, interesting. But we have had some good news, and let's hope it keeps up. Henry, on behalf of everyone at 2NURFM 103.7, thanks very much. Keep safe. See you next week. My pleasure. Thanks, Barry. Bye. Thursday afternoon means finance today with Barry Preston, and we've got another guest on the line, Barry. We certainly have. We have a local solicitor, Lynn Lucas, with over 20 years' experience in estate planning and now a consultant with Catherine Henry Partners. And last time we had Lynn on, we talked about the importance of a will, and we finished up by saying that a lot of people... Think younger people think that it's not necessary to have a will, but I did mention to Lynn that, hey, they could have a lot of money in superannuation. Is that correct, Lynn? It certainly is, Barry. At whatever age they are, and no matter how long they've been in the super fund, uh, those payments are quite substantial. And also, they could have an insurance policy within the super fund, and some of them are up to three or four hundred thousand, or it could yes, be more. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm. Mm. Now. Getting on to where we were going. Okay, now we've talked about the will and how important it is. What are powers of attorney? How do they work? Let's have a look at the fairly simple one to do with assets and that sort of thing. All right, then. Well, a power of attorney is, is one of three documents in what we call the estate planning package. And to me, I look upon it as being like an insurance policy. You uh, hope you'll never have to use it, but if the situation arises, you're always very, very happy that you've got it there, and the family are very pleased too. So with a power of attorney, you appoint another person or persons to look after your financial matters if you ever become incapable of doing so. Now, none of us plan for that to happen. We're not just talking about people suffering uh, dementia. We're also looking at perhaps uh, car accidents or illness where, where a person just becomes unable to look after their, their financial matters, not necessarily because they are mentally incapable. And this is just the ordinary straight-out power of attorney? Well, we always do an enduring power of attorney and most people ask me about the difference. The difference is that with an enduring power of attorney, we leave in a clause that says this document will be effective even though I become unsound of mind. So that's the whole reason why you have a power of attorney, uh, so that uh, you've got somebody there, a standby, who can basically stand in your shoes and do anything that you can do with your financial matters. So they can deal with your bank, they can deal with uh, your super fund, they can sell and lease property for you, deal with Centrelink, deal with your share broker, your financial uh, planner. So they, they can basically do anything that you could do yourself. These sound like they're a very, very powerful document. The ones I've seen do not even have the signature on the person that you're appointing at. Apart from that, yes. if you're going to appoint someone, that one would need, person would have to be very careful to whom one gives that power. In other words, you're giving the power to somebody to actually do what you do. Well, that's exactly right. And let's face it, this, there are dishonest and fraudulent people around. 
one way of getting over that is to appoint a couple of people and make sure that they do it jointly. So there's not just one person making that decision. So it's a form of checks and balances. And I guess, you know, the important thing to think about with with these documents, um, I, I know that for particularly for older people, it's, it's very hard for them to sign these documents. They think that they're losing a lot of their independence. However, you must consider what happens if you don't have a power of attorney. So if you haven't appointed someone to look after your financial matters, the uh, New South Wales Guardian and Tribunal will take over uh, and, and look after your assets for you. Now, a family member can apply and say, I want to be financial manager for, for this person, and that will more than likely be granted, except you will only be able to look after income coming in and pay the bills, and you won't be able to do anything else. Now, that's really important when it comes to jointly owned property, particularly real estate. And a lot of people don't realise that if you own um, a property um, as, as a joint tenant or even as a tenant in common with somebody, if that person becomes incapable of managing their financial affairs, you are not going to be able to deal with that real estate. That's interesting, and, and I know it's getting away from powers of attorney. You mentioned two things regarding property, uh, joint owners and uh, tenants, tenants in common. common. What's the difference between those two? Well, the difference is that if you're joint tenants with somebody on the death of one or, or two, uh, however many joint tenants there are, it automatically passes to the survivors. With tenants in common, uh, people will own um, a property uh, as a discrete one-half share, one-third share, etc. Tenants in common is is quite often used for parties who are in um, a second marriage or second relationship. What it does is it, it allows you to preserve that asset to pass on to your, your own children or your own side of the family and, uh, and the other tenant in common will have that, that same right. Now, if, if they're spouses or, or partners, it's important that you will then make provision that that uh, person can remain in the property until they die. So they have a life interest in that property, but then um, it, it each, each half share or whatever share passes on to um, the, the distinctive families. Lynn, thank you very much on that. I'll just put you on the spot. I know you know, of course, but uh, what we're doing, we're talking with uh, Lynn Lucas, a local solicitor with uh, Catherine Henry Partners. We're just taking a little break, and when we come back, we'll finish up the rest of the power of attorney, powers of attorney information. It's Finance Today with Barry Preston. And we're talking with uh, local solicitor Lynn Lucas, who is very experienced in estate planning, and she's with Catherine Henry Partners in Newcastle. Now, having set up these powers of attorney, and I assume they've got to be prepared by a solicitor and the signatures would need to be well-witnessed and explained to the person who's giving the power of attorney? Yes, most definitely. And and also the appointed attorneys must also sign the documents these days uh, by way of their consent uh, to acting. So, of course, there's always um, their signature there for a bank to, uh, uh, to compare. That's good because they never mm. did once upon a time. That's good. You're right. Wow. You're quite Unbelievable. right. Unbelievable. Now, okay, mm. I've given this power of attorney, but uh, things are not going too well. So what I would like to do is cancel it. Is that possible? Absolutely, and I always ask clients to review the, these documents on a regular basis because life doesn't always go smoothly and um, circumstances can, can change quite quickly. So, yes, it's, it's an easy thing to revoke that power of attorney or document and make a new one. 
Now, we've done this. We've got the will. We've got the power of attorney for the – I call them power of attorney for finance and a power of attorney for health. That way people can understand them. Three documents. They've been signed. Where would you normally keep these? Well, most clients are happy enough to leave them with their solicitor. Most solicitors have a, a secure safe and uh, they, they will keep them there. Uh, they're held on trust, of course, for those clients, so they're available for them at any time. Uh, but people do lose documents, and uh, that, that's always a danger if they're kept at home. Uh, people do have safes at home, so if that's a situation, that, that might be a good place to keep them. But normally they're happy enough to leave them with their lawyer, and then they and their family uh, know where they are. And this day of age, uh, with compliance and all that sort of thing, and I got a little bit heated under the collar when we first opened about compliance and red tape, but anyway, mm-hmm. when you go somewhere and you have to say, look, I'm the power of attorney for this person, you have to produce the power of attorney, and it should be the original which somebody can certify or a certified copy. Do you guys do that too when people come in? Absolutely, yes, we, we do. And we make sure that it's, it's the person that uh, is collecting it. We can, we can uh, look at their signature, if necessary, call our client to make sure that, uh, uh, that it's being collected by a family member or the appointed person. And um, yes, that's, that's exactly what we, what we do and provide certified copies. Most institutions these days uh, don't need to see the original, but certified by a lawyer, uh, they're quite happy to, um, to, to take those. Well, we've had Lynn Lucas, a local solicitor of 20 years' experience or more in estate planning with Catherine Henry Partners, talking to us today on the powers of attorney. And we're going to talk with Lynn sometime down the track on some other things in respect to estate planning. Lynn, thank you very much from everyone at 2NURFM 103.7. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Bye. It is Finance Today with Barry Preston on 2NURFM 103.7. Finance Today with Barry Preston. And Barry, I'm hearing this term quite a bit. Can you uh, explain it to us a bit and how it's being used? Penny dreadfuls. Penny dreadfuls, look, uh, they're the little stocks usually associated with mining exploration companies. And I've had a few people phone me up about these mining exploration companies and say, look, how do they, they seem to burn a lot of cash very quickly. How do we find this out? Well, look, yes, because when they're searching for minerals underneath the earth, their drills could cost a million, two million dollars to put down and they might only have 20 million dollars. So there's a lot of cash burn. Keeping geologists out in the field, staff out in the field because it's in remote areas, places some people may not have been there before. I don't know. So what you do is you have a look at the mining company that you're looking at, having a look at quarterly reports. And if you look at the quarterly reports, they have to explain it to or have to report to the Australian Securities Exchange, the ASX, and show their actual cash on hand, cash spent, how it was spent, what's at the end, and what are their plans for the next three or four months. So that's where you look if you want to find out what the cash burn rate is. Now, why? Let's assume a company just floated, an initial public offering floated, and it had $20 million, and it gets out in the field, and the first six months it spent $10 million. Well, really, if it's going to keep that work up and that expiration in the same area, it could spend another $20 million in the next six months, so all the money's gone. And at the end of it, it hasn't found anything. Guess what? Hmm. Nothing. There you go. So that's what we mean by cash burn rate, and that's where you can find it. Into the company, notices, quarterly report or quarterly activities report. Thank you very much, everybody. Keep safe. See you next week.